This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Modern Geek Podcast number 80, recorded April 29th, 2013. I'm Chuck. And I'm Juan. Welcome back to Modern Geek. My uh, last episode recorded from the Arctic Outpost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to think of a new name for the, for the new place. I'm, I'm moving this, this week. I'm, so, I'm uh, thinking new Arctic Outpost. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is slightly northern. So the, the Arcticer Outpost, maybe, or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> the really, really Arctic Outpost. No. Moving sucks. Moving is really being in a new place. Cool. Moving, yes, not cool. Well, that, that's what we were talking about before we started recording here. It's like, how do you feel about moving? Well, uh, well you no, know, I don't want. I don't want to move. I want to be in my new I place. Be in the new. <laughs> I, I have I, no, no. So Monday is the first. So I'll be, uh, I'll be getting my keys then, and uh, uh, I'll be uh, getting my internet. Mo- I had to, I had to consider getting my internet moved because I'm like, well, I work from oh, home, sucks, right? So. Do I? I had to schedule it. So on, on the second, I get my internet moved from one place to the other. But but on that day, they said, "Oh, well, we'll shut your internet off. Internet off in the morning, and we'll yeah. come and hook it up in the afternoon." So it's like, oh yeah, okay. So I got to figure out. I can tether my laptop to my phone and use the data <laughs> plan off of that for the day, or I can go into work. Yeah, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna tether and work from home. <laughs> so I got to do man. that. And then on the weekend is when I move the big stuff. But I figure, you know. Well, once the internet connections move, that's really the signal that that a geek has you has now moved houses, exist right? <laughs> in the new yeah. place. Exactly, and you then on the weekend, the here. big stuff. But sorry, little little yeah, uh, yeah. Well, little DS nine well, there. <laughs> well, I I came across a little uh, bit of a a thing where, where right now my printer is in my bedroom. Uh-huh. I have a really small place, and there's reasons behind it, but it was plugged into the. Uh, the the Mac Mini that's in there as a basically just as a print server. I've got the Mac Mini in there as a as the TV box, but you know it was right. in there. So big long USB extension across the room, plug in the printer, use it from there too. Sure, but in the new place, it won't be in there. It might be, I mean, it'll likely be somewhere uh, either in the the living room or in the office somewhere. But it may not be near any of the, it definitely won't be near that mini and it probably won't be near another computer. So I was thinking, okay, how do I fix this? Cause I, I need to print and this is not uh, a printer that has uh, Wi-Fi in it. Right. It, it's, it's from a couple years ago. Scanner doesn't work very well, but the, the, it's a laser printer. So, you know, that part of it will work, you know, forever. And, I came up with a with a great solution to use a Raspberry Pi, <laughs> awesome. an actual practical solution uh, for uh, a practical use case of one of these things. So, I, I found a um, it was on the the newark dot com. They they supply these little form fitting plastic snap in cases for the Raspberry Pi, so it actually looks like a uh, an actual appliance. And then I got a little USB Wi Fi card for it and. Uh, and duplicated my setup from the test Raspberry Pi that I've had for a while, 
and installed a Linux print server, just bare bones minimum, just ev- only what I needed. Um, set up uh, Apple Apple printer sharing for it, <laughs> uh, which will actually also work on Windows. Um, configured it for that printer and uh, and a little little tiny script to make sure that the the system doesn't start up until the Wi-Fi is connected, which was a little bit of a hiccup. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have a clock, so it needs to get its time from the internet when it starts up. Right. So. I configure all that, you know, a few days playing around with it, which was a hell of a lot of fun. And I have a Wi-Fi enabled printer now. <laughs> it was also not moving. <laughs> yeah. Which was also, yeah, also do. not packing and not throwing to avoid moving. No, that's a great. And I saw your a picture of your little case before the podcast, and it is awesome. That is a really cool case. You know what I love is that a lot of these little uh, experimenters boxes, you might call them, Never really made it to prime time. Like once you do something with it, it's kind of cool, but you don't see people building appliances out of them. This, like, hey, I made these lights light up. Kind of yeah, like look, Star it's Trek cool. Panel, something. Yeah. My chair detects farts. Isn't that awesome? You know, <laughs> it tweets every time I fart. Oh, ha ha ha! And nobody ever bothers to do any because you don't need a fart detection appliance. Well, maybe you do, but right. but it's not something that you're likely to build. This. I, what I'm pleased is to see the Raspberry Pi coming out of the pure experimenters phase into people who are not embedded software engineers like you, but mm. are very capable with off-the-shelf tools building their own appliances. Well, the, I think that's ultimately what the success of this thing is. Yeah. Because, you know, oh, you, yeah. you, you, get a, you see a lot of stuff with like the Arduino where it's like, that's, that's a cool appliance, but that's really an embedded world or, yeah. or you know, you, you never really see this. Until now, this this kind of thing taking off, and I, I kind of like it that it's this little tiny little um, little box that's just effectively a wireless print server that just has a little two prong wall wart that plugs into the wall, and suddenly I have a full Linux box with um, I haven't gotten the scanner software working yet, but I mean it's it's really cool that this actually works, and it's something that I will put in place in my new place and forget about. Yeah, it'll see. stay buried behind the printer. It'll just it'll be there on the network. I'll be doing updates to it and stuff, but I really won't have to mess with it because it'll just do its thing. It'll just be there as an appliance. And I mean, for all parts together, probably about fifty or sixty bucks. <laughs> Still cheaper than buying a Wi-Fi enabled printer for the most part, um, oh, yeah. and a great project. So see, and and we were talking about it, and there are a lot of other. Uh, possibilities for similar appliances and what's beautiful is is you were explaining how it's just not that hard to clone what you've built and make small changes in what you actually do with it so like for example we were talking about hey we've used airport expresses for some time to stream music mm-hmm. but it seems like they've just gotten unstable as hell like yeah. you just can't keep the damn things on a network anymore every time you want to play music the damn thing's off the network or it skips which is or, become, or like it'll be connected, but it won't be outputting any audio, or it's a, it's a, or it won't connect, it'll it'll be connected to the network, but you can't connect iTunes to it. Speaking yeah. of iTunes, enough said. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's a pain in the ass. How do you and keep I, your music in sync? You know, because you now if you want to have more than one iTunes streaming to it, you have to keep them all in sync somehow. And of course, they don't have ways for you to do that because they hate life. And, I'm really getting sick of iTunes. I, I am oh. at the point where I'm going to start uh, a new kind of scripting level project to <laughs> to kind of make my own version of, of music sync because it's just ridiculously annoying at this point. Yeah. And we were talking about it. We're like, you know, why bother to use an airport express or why bother to build a streaming box 
mm-hmm. when you could instead just use a Linux-based player that handles the Apple remote uh, that, that you can control with an Apple remote, load your music onto it, and freaking R-Sync it to it. That's a good point. Yeah. I, like, I, I mean, it would be exceedingly easy to turn yeah. one of these Raspberry Pis into an Airport Express equivalent and potentially even easier than that to 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 get uh an actual full-fledged music server that just takes the music off of a usb stick that you plug into the side of it uh and then just output it out put the music out the the built-in sound card that it has i mean this i i I foresee myself using in in proper you know quote production in in my in my new place probably about two or three of these (laughs) minimum it's awesome isn't it yeah well plus i mean the more i get i've I've set them up for any of the software i create i have them uh connect to my actual file servers and to each other to do the compiles in distributed sense so the more i get the faster the uh (laughs) the faster the software will install now all we need to do is get them to do some kind of voip like skype so that we could use them as uh uh, so that we can use them as... Uh, oh, wow. I didn't even it, think of that. Wouldn't that be awesome? USB uh, sound cards, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're, sorry, we're discovering stuff on the air right now. I know. I'm saying, Actually, I mean... Man, that could work. I know. Let me, let me think about that. I, oh, crap. I got to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. $50 Skype rig for... Yeah. Ooh, here's a yeah. patent pending. <laughs> I'm telling no, you. Really. <laughs> Four of them uh, in a little pile on your desk, you know. Raspberry Pi, Skype, <laughs> Rig, Send. I see. <laughs> All right, it's in my project list. <laughs> Podcast Rig, what is it, 4.0? <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah. And I mean, these actually have decent video cards in them, too. So, I mean. Uh, I <laughs> might be pushing it there. But, hey. You well, know. Enough, to, enough to display, um, you know, who you're connecting to a Skype. And, I mean, you can get preloaded um, for, the, for those of people who don't who want to try playing with one of these but don't really want to go the command line route that i've gone and you know do everything through a terminal you can buy um pre-programmed sd cards with um i think it's uh, a version of debian already installed on it yeah, for the raspberry pi so literally it's like 15 bucks for the card it's the right card for the raspberry pi because they're a little finicky it has all the right configurations for a proper desktop and you just plug in the card Plug in a network connector or Wi-Fi, plug in a keyboard and a monitor, and you're, you have a computer. Pretty awesome, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> and I mean, putting Skype on that is not that much more difficult. So. <laughs> yeah, Podcast Rig 4.0 is going to be dramatically smaller, yet more effective than the current one. I'm just thinking about those gigantic P4 boxes that oh my we have. God. Uh, oh. the, the, the stack. <laughs> oh, yeah. And especially in the summer when you turn them all on oh. and it's like, oh, that's oh, that's fine. No. You know, 110 degree weather outside. I need another 30 degrees worth of heat. Thank you very much. You know what would be really sweet would be if, mm. if you controlled however it w- was via the command line and you could build a little interface, a terminal-based interface, so that essentially you could just have one monitor on you hit it with your laptop or whatever and connect to it and have it do well, its thing linux has built in uh, like vnc oh there you go see most part too so you could actually just have one normal machine with four vnc windows on it all at like 800 by 600 or something see? like that see now we're talking wow i hadn't even considered that <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna start I, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be ordering skype a for linux not happening like, though so what's that skype for linux not happening well, not any, can't be any worse than uh, than Skype for Windows or Mac these days. I don't know. I don't know about you, man. I don't, I don't like to hate on things, but 
every update to Skype, it just seems to work a little, little bit less. I don't know. Mine seems to work okay on the Mac. I don't know. I, 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 I will admit I'm probably a little bit biased because I am working in front of two half-dead machines. So huh, That could be. Uh, I don't it know. Could, could have just something a thought. to do with it. No, but in terms of features and stuff, it's just it's a little bit annoying. I updated to 6.3 on Windows, and I'm, I, it's got a little bit more of a kind of Windows 8-ish feel to it, like everything's flattened out. But, you know, it works, I guess, but it's just, you know... Another unnecessary interface change. I'm with you. So the the other issue I had coming coming into the, uh, my impending move here is I I started kind of cleaning up behind my desk, and I realized I got like three or four power bars under there. <laughs> I know, isn't that crazy? You start pulling wires out, and you're like, when did I put this under here? It's like where did all my power bars go? They're all under there. <laughs> Some of them aren't even all full either it's just that they have wall warts in them so you know it's like you can only plug two uh two different plugs into this power bar and three (laughs) in this one so i started looking and i'm like okay i gotta figure out a better way to do this because one not immediately when i move in but in in the in the first few months i'm going to build uh some kind of a desk for that room i'm going to build a proper computer desk where i could have my podcasting rig and my gaming rig and, and whatever I choose for, for my desktop. Yeah. And as well as a little side terminal for administering my servers, which will also be in that room. But what I want to do is I want to make sure that all the, the power connections are all cleaned up under there. Right. So on Amazon, I found this power bar. Um, and I'll see if I can bring it up here. It is a, it's by Belkin. Uh, they make they make some fairly decent stuff, and it's a twelve plug power bar. <laughs> wow! With a twelve foot cable with a right angle plug on the end of it. You know what you ought to get? I've always thought about this too. You know how uh, some if you're going to build a desk yourself, you know some of them have a little U channel on the back for cable. Yep. I've always thought what would be cool would be a U channel for cable, and just take one of those uh, 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 power bars by the foot. You know. Mm-hmm. Those things that they make that are four, six, eight, ten feet long or whatever. Oh yes, yes, yes. I saw those on on Amazon as well. Yeah, and just mount one in the U sideways. Yeah, or so, like right behind it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know so it, essentially, yeah. you can't see it and everything, but there's power anywhere on your desk. Mm-hmm. I had considered that for a moment, and then I thought with this one, I can I can still mount it under the desk. And what's cool about this one is it looks like it's got like a regular um, one by six power strip in the middle of it. And then on the outside of it, it's got sideways-facing um, outlets, for which ah. are spaced out so that wall warts won't bump into each other. Nice. And I think all the stuff... And it also has an Ethernet surge protector, although, I mean, you know, if you're going to get hit by lightning, it's not... Yeah, really you're gonna, screwed. Yeah, the Ethernet, Ethernet surge isn't really going to matter to you. But I, I looked at it more for the wall wart spacing, and I'm like, this... I think I can replace all the power bars under my desk with this. For so, win. And it, it was like, uh, it was on sale. It was like 30, 34 bucks prime shippable. Nice. So I'm like, okay, I, I'm not going to use the ones that are under here anyway, because they're at least 15 years old. Right. So, you know, they're, they're not surge protectors anymore. They're kind of probably melty. <laughs> so I figured, you know, melty. if I'm going to buy a new power bar, I might as well buy a good one, one that'll work. Yeah. Yeah, I bought a really cool one to make a charging station. It was an outdated Belkin thing. Uh, oh, yeah. If you can imagine, it was kind of T-shaped, and it stood you know, with the T on the bottom, so an upside-down T. 
Okay, yeah. And But it was curvy and cool looking, and all the plugs were on the side of it. So, you know, when you plug your wall warts into it, they were kind of supported in the T. Right. And it looked really cool. And it had, uh, I, it may have had a single USB charger on it. It didn't matter. What was it? And then it had some, it had plugs along the top as well. So you could essentially plug wall warts into the side of it to make your thing, make, you know, stuff that you were going to leave plugged in. And you could still, if you needed to, in a hurry, plug something into the top of it. I was going to put it on top of a stand by my, you know, over on the side, not right next to the bed, but over on the wall next to the bed. Oh, yeah, yeah. So essentially, you could plug in all your stuff other than your phone, you know, and you could just plug it in and the wires would look pretty and you'd be able to charge things. And I was thinking about putting one in the kitchen, too, you know, so if you were in a hurry, you could plug stuff in and charge it. Uh, I got one in. I had to order it uh, because most of the new places didn't carry them anymore. Right. So I ordered it from somebody that apparently had one in a crappy box in stock and uh, paid like, I don't know. 15 bucks for it or something, you know, <laughs> whatever, yeah. slow shipped it. And it came, uh, and about the time I was going to do it, I ended up giving it to Audra mm-hmm. and I uh, put it by her side of the bed cause she needed one way worse than me. And, uh, it worked out really well. It was really cool. And it's kind of like what you were talking about. So I, I think, I think you may be onto something there. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll see how it works. I've, I've got it in, in a box of stuff. I'll be shipping over to the new place. <laughs> <laughs> when you eventually pack all the rest. Mm-hmm. That was a minor gripe I came across as well, is that Amazon, I, I, I have a P.O. box now. because oh not happening. Yeah, not for everything. No. For some stuff, yes, but for other stuff, no. Um, a lot of it is still prime shippable because they, they have an agreement with Canada Post for some of their distributors. Really? But not all of them. Yeah. So, so, so some of it shows up at the P.O. box and some of it I'll have to ship to the, I, I don't, I'm, I, you know, I, I'd like to not annoy my... Uh, my, my, my new landlord, because I don't have a front entrance. It's, it's kind of down below in the back. But, ah, okay. Did you know, you... so that's what, that, that was what, what had driven the, the idea of getting the P.O. box. It's just that, you know, I can stop there a couple times a week and just get all the stuff that I want. Right? So a couple, couple of thoughts about that. Uh, mm-hmm. rather, rather than a P.O. box, what you do is you go to one of these little mail places. Uh, the yeah. first one in the U.S. that was really big was mailboxes, et cetera. Now they're really kind of put out of business for the most part by... Uh, there's still some mom and pop stores. In fact, we have used a mom and pop store in the past, but uh, yep. but UPS stores and the FedEx stores and some of those now run these things. The trick is, is they're not PO boxes. They give you a suite address. Ah, I see. So, right. So you end up being like suite two hundred one dash two hundred eight, and the dash two hundred eight is actually your box number. But the point is, anybody will ship to it. <laughs> Mm. I, w- I was thinking of trying to get smart and putting the uh, putting the uh, the actual street address of the <laughs> the, P- the 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 uh, the post office on there, but I'm well, not. Well, the sure problem you run into is is that they won't sort it. See, so yeah. what's the trick here is so you end up with like this 201-208 or whatever, and and really they are Suite 201, right? Yeah. So they get delivered to, and when it comes in, they sort it out for you and do the whole mess with it. Now the other bonus to these and they're usually like i don't know a few bucks a month right i want to say we paid like i don't know maybe it was like 90 bucks for six months or a year or something yeah so not a lot you know i mean it was a lot in one chunk but when you consider how long it was you'd forget about it by the time it came around again (laughs) right right but the trick is they also had cool services like they would uh they would email you or sms you when you got mail right and things like that oh that's cool yeah. I'll have to look around because there, there's probably somewhere in, in town that'll do that. I've got the P.O. box for six months, which is enough to make sure that I can do the address change from here to make sure, sure I keep getting my mail. But beyond that, 
I'm not sure what I'll do. So I, it's probably a good to, a point to start looking now, so that way when the six months is up, I've got, I've got a plan together. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We used one for a long time for uh, Toolmonger, and still do to some extent. We actually, I think we're moving to a new one, but uh, we've used one for a long time because uh, with Toolmonger, we would receive a lot of large packages, and some of them they would want people to sign for them, and you can't always be there to sign for them, so it'll be a real nightmare. So the nice thing I, is they'll sign for them. So oh right, that that's the other advantage. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because like the the place that I'm moving to, we've it's not for for normal mail. It's it's the uh, kind of group mailbox at the end of the street, mm-hmm. and then for for my entrance, my entrance is is just off to the side down by uh, at the back of the house. So it's kind of like they would leave or knock at the front door. So yeah, right, exactly. You know, that's it's Suite A, which is not apparent that it means down the <laughs> in the basement, down behind. To the left of the house <laughs> you know what i mean yeah one of these places could be really cool for you mm-hmm. there may be one nearby well there's a lot of stuff nearby i'm still i'm not moving that far um i'm still kind of very close to downtown langford so i'll see what is available because it's probably something oh yeah hey i know you said we had some feedback that we wanted to look at and that's probably a good time to do that yeah, um, have, have a few. We've had some built up for a while here, um, going back to uh, slightly before the meetup. I um, uh, forgot to write down the person's name, but uh, the, our resident uh, Best Buy employee that was, when we were talking about the uh, the changes oh, to right, Best yeah. Buy's return policy, uh, we said the majority of the changes seem to be on the the actual processing of the returns. So it's a right. lot of process change for an employee to do a return. Um, he says that there are some people that decide to uh, to return stuff, you know, not immediately. Right. But you know, a lot a lot of people buy stuff and then bring it right back. Um, so doesn't doesn't know quite how many people would be affected by it. However, um, there was one thing that he wanted to point out that probably wouldn't change, and that's the the kind of Black Friday rule. Uh, at Best Buy, they apparently have a rule that um, anything purchased from the Black Friday week until Christmas. Mm-hmm. As a return date of January twenty fourth, yeah. uh, to allow for gift giving and then subsequent returns. Interesting. If, if the gifts are incorrect or whatever, and as far as he was aware, that policy wasn't changing. Uh-huh, so that that's shorter cool. return dates don't necessarily result in you being screwed out of your Black Friday deals. Huh. Cool. That's so, good to know. We'll, we'll know closer as I guess it gets to the first Christmas when they've changed the <laughs> policy here, and we'll see what happens. But. Well, you'll see what happens. They close up the best parts <laughs> on the island, so no. I won't know. <laughs> um, we had one from Fire Breathing Chicken at the meetup in the Modern Geek room right after the panel. <laughs> okay, that's very specific. It was a voicemail he left. Um, or voicemail <laughs> We're standing like six feet from him. He leaves a voicemail. It's that's awesome. what he said. He's like, you know, hey, I'm just calling from inside. We just finished the Modern Geek panel, and you said leave a voicemail, so... Here we go. <laughs> and now at the end, he's like, Dad, now I'll go, I'll, I'll go outside and say hi to you guys. <laughs> so, wow. Nice. I, I got a good laugh out of that. But he was uh, wondering is that, you know, he's using a lot of iOS uh, devices for browsing uh-huh. and is not really seeing a problem anymore with video not being able to load. And he was wondering if that was maybe either a flash plugin getting snuck in or whether it was html5 video and it is totally html5, HTML5. what the the long war over this this flash i mean even android's abandoning flash if i'm not correct right yeah um not incorrect uh, whatever and it's, it's over 
It's well, it, Flash, Flash, has, was, has Flash a, was never designed to be a video codec anyway. It was designed. <sighs> it was kind of sidelined into. Well, we built a video player for Flash. Well, here's the you guys thing: guys want to use it for interactive work. Flash yeah. still has a place, and it sees a lot of right. use in e-learning. It sees a lot of use in in appliances and that sort of thing, and it still will probably. On the other yeah. hand, uh, for for as an as an H two six four video wrapper, no. Unless it's part of one of these interactive applications, that's the container it was meant to, it was meant right. to be. So, yeah, for web apps, uh, for uh, for mobile embedded, uh, uh-uh. mm-hmm. so it, it is. It is. I I know a lot of people were opposed to it when 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 Steve Jobs originally went. No flash. Get used to it. Use proper protocols. And I'm kind of glad he did that because you know the the web is a better place for having HTML5. True. Even to the point where I've heard that uh, Netflix has started testing HTML5 for their video, which is amazing. Um, apparently, there's one protocol that still needs to be built into one of the browsers um, that uh, works with the DRM. But they're testing it right now, and it sounds like uh, Silverlight will be going the way of the Dodo for that as well. Boy, you know, I, I, and I don't have it in front of me, but I remember reading sometime in the last week or so that uh, that there have been some pretty significant changes with Amazon's streaming. Oh, really? Service, okay. yeah. I, I don't have that up here, so I haven't been up up to date on it. Yes, but you don't have any of it, including yeah, probably not. I, I guess. have. I think I have some of the instant video stuff. Um, I like. I can purchase stuff on right Android devices. Well, but not the, like the, the the Amazon live streaming or whatever. Yeah, like. I forget what it is, but they went. I they went away from whatever they were using to some new uh, kind of outdated codec that they mm-hmm. were able to work with, and uh, apparently it's causing a lot of problems for a lot of people. A whole lot of people who bought things are unable to play them now because the DRM they chose was particular for this new uh, new system was outdated and not supported in a lot of places. Right. Yeah, I think they. Either they were or are using the the VC one codec, or and like they they switched they switched something right, and and now it's yeah. Know. I I we can bring in more information later. Just off the top of my head, though, I remember seeing that in the last week or so, and uh, I think it it gives you yet another example of why uh, my purchases tend to be uh, either bulk streaming, yep, or rental. Like if I'm gonna watch it right now and it'll play right now, fine. You know, yeah. I'll pay my oh, two yeah. bucks. I'll watch it. I'm done. It's gone. I don't care if it doesn't work later. Buying it and expecting it to be made available via streaming forever, uh, uh-uh. it's just not a viable option because uh, you're not buying it. You're you're yeah. leasing a license to use it now, and yet the price is about the same. So right, it, it so you doesn't. might as well just Amazon the Blu-ray or the DVD for it, right? For like maybe a buck or two more, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes it still, and that's the problem. I mean, that's that's the problem that they had with DRM music. I mean, how many people had one of the five different <laughs> Microsoft protocols that were all DM DRM'd and ultimately killed? Um, for all their music, and, and it's until the, until they figure out a way to sell it without DRM, you're not really buying agreed uh, online video. So just like music, mm-hmm. I had another piece of uh, uh, response uh, from Tig's Panther in the UK. Ooh, nice. 
Good to hear. I always from say him. it that way because that's how he introduces himself Indeed. on his voicemails. Uh, he his uh, university um, had has only very recently migrated from XP to Windows Seven. Right. Uh, this is in regards to our d- discussion over Windows Eight adoption. Right. Um, where our our I think our viewpoint was you know that. It's it's very hard to get people on board with this, especially if a lot of them, a lot of machines are still using it in the old, in an old traditional desktop PC kind of setup. Um, but he he had a pretty good perspective that I don't think we touched on. Um, like 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 I said, the university migrated from XP to seven. Um, first of all, that's that's a huge undertaking in terms of cost, so they're not likely to do another upgrade very soon anyway so they won't even be looking at windows 8 as a potential upgrade candidate and i would think that a lot of companies and uh organizations like universities are in that same boat and the point that he made that i thought was interesting is that because vista bombed and bombed so publicly like the long development cycle and then the the completely craptacular um right initial reception to it so many people got even more used to Windows XP than they would have if they were on a regular release cycle that it, that there's a proportion a disproportionate kind of balance towards people understanding how XP works for people supporting how XP works right so it's built this kind of build up in the market that is only just now being overcome so it's kind of driven the market towards you know Keep, uh, getting one operating system and dragging it out as long as it can, and you know, th- I think the same thing will happen with seven. Is that this will be another XP where they just keep expanding the support for it on and on and on, and especially with the rumors that I was reading uh, this last week that apparently uh, the managerial decision for Windows Blue or Windows eight point one or whatever they're going to call it <laughs> is that the start button's coming back. Ooh. And that you boot to desktop is coming back. Hey, what do you know? And it's like, wow, okay, so now there's really no no strong argument to be using Windows 8 on a, on a desktop without a touchscreen. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I've been trying to get more, more broader opinions. Like, I've been asking people that aren't quite so, uh, you know eating our own dog food in the industry kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) and and asking what they think of windows eight and unilaterally it's, this is the most, this is the worst thing I've ever done. Ouch. Upgrading to windows eight and people, people that use the tablets seem to think it's all right, but they can't find anything, but desktops, this seems to be a colossal failure. (laughs) I, I, I think I agree with, uh, with Tiggs that, that that seven is, you know, seven is going to keep going. And the, the other point that he brought up as well was that when XP was going on for so long um, and even Vista hadn't been released yet, uh, that also got people looking into alternatives. And that was a big jump in, in kickstarting the, the Linux desktop. Um, it was. That's I, know, I, I worked at a computer store for a number of years uh, building co- uh, consumer PCs. And there were, there were a fair, I mean, I could probably name all of them, but there were customers that would come in and say, no, I, w- I want to build it, but I don't want XP. <laughs> um, throw whatever the Linux of the day was on it. Uh, I, don't, I can't even remember. It wasn't Ubuntu even, I don't think. It was another one like Puppy Linux or something like that. But th- a lot of people 
in that era, put Linux on a machine and used it for like four or five years just for web browsing and just for web email and stuff like that, had no problem with it. And, and that was even in the days of you would still have to kind of wonder um, if you could run the programs you purchased at a store on your computer, if it would work in Linux or not. And even in that market, you still had people trying out Linux that were, you know, generally yeah, not computer experts. It was a pretty hardy crowd though at that time. I mean, they, they, uh, it was not a good experience and, Oh no, it wasn't a good experience, but at the same time, it was non, non Linux people getting into that market. Agreed. It was definitely the beginnings of it. You know, I hate to do it, but I'm going to have to wrap up because I have six more hours of work tonight. <laughs> yeah, we, we've both been a little bit busy lately. So uh, yeah, this has been fun. Um, I'll keep sending in your feedback. I definitely appreciate it. And uh, and uh, I've got some some ideas for uh, oh, there was a couple more that came in that we didn't get around to, but uh, we'll get to them. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll see you again, hopefully next week. From everyone here at Modern Geek and GWC, thanks for listening. If you have something to add to the show, a news tip, feedback on anything we've discussed, or just some random awesomeness, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. You'll find other GWC podcasts, as well as the friendliest people in geekdom, on the GWC website and forum, galacticwatercooler.com. And don't forget, financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.